Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the NXT Review. I'm Michael Sidgwick in the absence of Adam Wilborn, joined today by Andy Murray to discuss everything that happened on last night's show. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure to subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. We review NXT 2.0, Raw, SmackDown, AEW Dynamite, Rampage, premium live events, pay-per-views. We have wrestler interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on wrestle culture. Uh, a bit of a departure from the usual format. Adam Wilborn is exceptional at his job. He's exceptional at memorizing what happened on WWE programming. I have no idea how he does this. So don't expect his phenomenal dramatic readings, which are often better than WWE matches themselves. And me and Murray are kind of just going to do a ramshackle job of this. But before said ramshackle job ensues, give me a little uh, uh, an overview of your thoughts on this uh, on this NXT broadcast. Mmm, it was certainly a show. Um, it's kind of what you expect every... Se- I mean, the, the, the show never really varies in quality. You always get um, a bunch of main roster tropes for these really basic matches that we mostly have on this show. Uh, then some chaotic nonsense, uh, which I perversely appreciate, uh, even if a lot of it is probably quite bad. Uh, and then you get all the horny stuff for the dads. So... This show, to me, was no different to any of the other ones. Uh, I never see big quality spikes. For better or worse, I never see big quality troughs either. It's it, The show is pretty much the similar... It, it's the same thing every week, isn't it, quality-wise? It veers out of control all over the place. They throw a bunch of stuff at the wall and see what sticks. Uh, usually, it's a bunch of borderline pornography uh, by modern WWE standards, but... Yeah, I mean, uh, fair play. There are probably a lot of people, I mean, who are really into this, like, episodically. But for me, it's like, even taking away the wacky characters like Tony D that we all appreciate, uh, really, you're you're watching WWE main roster tropes with a different lick of paint and not good wrestlers across the board. So it's very difficult for me to, like, if I wasn't covering this stuff for a living, I would not be hooked on this show whatsoever. But it is fun to review um, because everything is so stupid. Stupid's not always bad. And uh, yeah, I'm looking looking forward to digging into uh, such such classics as uh, Tommaso Ciampa sitting on a chair and uh, Dolph Ziggler, he was, he was here as well. So, yeah. Tits, ass, <laughs> cum, cock, <laughs> pussy, three and a quarter star matches that are kind of impossible to invest in because the tone is so anti-wrestling mm. that when they have the temerity to give you pro-wrestling, it just feels like, what are you doing? This is not what you want to do. It's not really what I want to watch on this broadcast, but it was bookended by two, I would say, good to very good matches. Uh, the first was merely good. Um, it was Imperium, Gunther, Marcel Bartel, and Fabian Eichner versus LA Knight. Yeah! And MSK. Um, it starts off um, with Imperium doing their posing gimmick on the ramp. LA Knight, House of Fire, jumps them, um, which... Brings us to the opening shine of the baby faces, which is summarily cut off. And the story of the match basically is that Gunther, the former Volta, is trying very hard to get LA Knight out of the fray. And there's various cut off spots when LA Knight's just about to explode. Um, I guess it's quite good in that respect, teasing the upcoming match at stand and deliver. Um, 
when Gunther tries to remove LA Knight from the apron for a second time, that brawl sprawls outwards into the NXT 2.0 arena, I guess. It's not the Capital Wrestling Center. It's not really anything now. Um, leaving MSK and um, Bartel and Eichner in the ring. Really strong finishing sequence in which um, Imperium get the better of their upcoming opponents on the night with an absolutely wicked lariat. Um, I would describe this as a gentleman's three trios match that was yeah. brisk, didn't overstay its welcome, did the expected things ahead of stand and deliver. What did you think of it? Yeah, I mean, it was uh, it was a pretty standard popcorn trios match. Um, not a whole lot of it meant anything, but it was fun to watch. The I, I did like the finish. The finish was quite well constructed with the legal man stuff. Um, it fits because Imperium, they outsmarted and outclassed and they do the matches sacred, all of that stuff. So for them to take advantage of MSK, who are maybe a bit more of an action first tag team as opposed to a brain first tag team, that's their characters. I'm not saying any of these men are dumb. Um, they might be, who knows? Maybe they believe in flat earth. I don't know, never spoken to them. Um, it, it, it makes sense character-wise for them to go, actually, I'm the legal man. Flip, flip, flip. You're off the apron. Boom, here's the pin. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was totally fine. Um, the opener, the opening minute or so was very Kevin Dunn with the camera work. It gave me a headache within a minute of the show opening, which is not a good sign. It's, ah, they've been jumped. We need to show they've been jumped, not just by showing they've been jumped, but by wiggling the camera around a bunch to turn your brain into a packet of jelly beans. Um... Yeah, I mean, I want to give a little shout out to Gunther. He's leaned out a fair bit. So if that's like a specific goal of his, fair play. He's done a really good job. The guy looks like he's in tremendous condition. I thought he looked great when he was a bigger lad as well. Um, like it fit the character, big domineering dude filling the screen, filling the ring. But yeah, he's clearly putting a bit of work into his presentation and stuff and switching things up. So fair play to him. Uh, I mean, the character, <laughs> the name change is still whack. It's Imagine patronizing Walter. I would yeah. never patronize him three or four years ago. He's done really well yeah. to get into shit. Hasn't he done a good job? I wish I wish I could. I, I should probably hit him up, actually, and get his plan, because he's done a good job, and I'm doing a really poor job of the same thing. Um, but imagine, why, why do you have Ellie Knight on your show and not have him talk, man? You know, at least give us a round of catchphrase bingo when he's on the show. But, yeah, cool, sure. Uh, yeah, good, fine. Yep, yep. 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 Yeah, told you this was going to be a disaster. <laughs> I can't I know. It's just it's so bereft of analysis and content. Yeah. These shows. They got the two grumpiest pricks in the oh office Christ, to do no, this no, as well. No, absolutely <laughs> Sad lot, boys and girls. Uh, following the match in the post-match, um, the Creed brothers walk out on the stage and have a stare down. The old NXT special. Ye oldie, one might say. Yeah, ye oldie <laughs> NXT special where they have a three-way stare down on the ramp. The Triple ra- H back. Is he writing this? Oh, God, I hope not. <laughs> Oh God! Uh, the poor man. Just stay at home, man, and be a dad. Like no more stress. Eh? Who knows? Who knows? Well, I mean, I don't like the show whether he writes it or not. <laughs> at least from like 2018 onwards, that's when I start to fall completely yeah. out of love with it. Speaking yeah. of falling out of love, uh, Kaylee Ray and Io Shirai had a little backstage promo. Nope. Have you seen this? You, you heard about this? Uh, uh, what What became of the Dusty Cup on the women's side? Yep. Absolutely yep. ridiculous. Sensational, isn't it? <laughs> and then another team's getting the shot later on. <laughs> This stuff rules. Why do it? Why, why, why do this? Anyway, so Kaylee Ray and Io Shirai with an exposition dump remind the fans that they won at the Dusty Cup and they decided to um, exploit what they deemed to be a loophole with their Mandy Rose fronting and saying that she would take on anyone. And they said, oh, well, those tag titles are meaningless, so let's just go for the singles one instead, uh, resulting in a four-way, which I presume was um, tweaked because they don't have faith in Cora Jade um, to hold her hold it down in a singles match, but regardless, it becomes apparent that there's a flaw in their plan. One person can only hold a title and they're two mates. So Io Shirai kind of says, hang on, I'm the one who's going to win. And Kaylee Ray's like, really? And uh, I hate this. I hate my life. <laughs> and then they sort of have a respectful standoff where they are saying words to the effect of let the best woman win. Did this angle, Andy Murray? Like, deepen your <laughs> excitement ahead of the four-way match at Stand and Deliver. Of course it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. When, I talk, when we talk about this show, like, it does all, all ultimately, once you remove all the silly characters and the fun stuff that we have a laugh about. It's terribly booked. Oh, yeah, it is. It's, it's booked really, really poorly. And it, it literally, all, everything on the show boils down to a main roster trope that's been accelerated by, like, 50%. Uh, this one, it's like, oh, they, uh, the partners are 
falling out because they got the same goal. It's just such predictable writing uh, that it's difficult to invest in any of it. Like, I, I always pop for like thick Glaswegian accents on TV. So Kaylee Ray absolutely rules. She she can do promos every single week as far as I'm concerned. I love listening to her talk. It's a taste of home. Uh, as long as she doesn't start showing up with like a sword and a haggis like Drew McIntyre, I'm all for it. Uh, but yeah, man, it's just like... Yeah, the the beats are so predictable in every single thing, aren't they? At least like when you when you're not doing straightforward wrestling stuff on this show, you're dead right. That's where this show shines. It's when you're doing oh we are partners, but we might fight. It's just I've seen this so many times and crafted with more care that it's impossible to give a single hoot about the whole thing. It's I saw a great tweet last night, and I can't remember who it was from. But this take is sensational. It's just, and it's so simple. WWE television has evolved beyond the need for matches. It has? Yeah. You don't need to have matches in WWE anymore because none of the crap matters. You can see how they're being constructed three months before the 17th rematch. Just, just do backstage segments and in-ring arguments and... and sex. Sex. <laughs> yeah. That's what they want to do. Yeah. It wants to be pornography. Scrooge McDuckin and Cluckin'. Looking at the only engagement this show gets between Ollie J and the Keita Lines, people just want it to be pornography. <laughs> yeah. I don't... It's a, like, the average viewer of this show, the median viewer most weeks, is over 60 years old. They've created this thing by the TNA, TNA stuff, whatever you want to call it. They've created this thing where they're trying to appeal to horny teenage boys, and they've actually just captured an audience of dirty old men. You're never getting the younger audience on NXT. The num- the rate, the 18 to 49 is never above, like, 0.14. Give up, guys. <laughs> Give up on that. Go all in on the old man content. Th- that's what you're getting. You're getting creepy dudes who you don't want to, like, meet if you're a young lady because they'll stalk you on Twitter and, and do milady stuff with their trilbies and things like that that's your average viewer of this show man like it's it's absurd it's it's like it's such an epic failure across the board uh, we've gone totally on the pivot here but who cares you kind of have to when the content is so planned right oh, you can't really talk about it yeah. you can't, it's absolutely immune to analysis and yeah. to further that point in another segue we go backstage and bad news guys oh the pillow bad news <laughs> not the pillow <laughs> bad news man uh wendy choose bed apparatus and their sleeping gimmicks had been destroyed backstage. They ripped the pillow, Michael. I saw the fluff. How could they? How is she going to sleep on the job <laughs> after this? I know people who sleep on the job and I hate them. So how is she a baby face? <laughs> it's the, like, why do I care about a pillow? It's, it's the most low stakes nonsense. It's a bloody pillow. It's like this week on Raw when like, Madcap Moss and Baron Corbin stole the sword. <laughs> it's like, what? WWE's obsessed with this bitch. Like, he's, he's not going to kill anyone with it anyway. So what does it matter? Exactly. Like, unless the comeback angle for this is literally Wendy Chu smothering something with a new pillow on air. Not a human being. Maybe like a fish or something like that. <laughs> I don't want that. All right, the in-betweeners. Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> so anyway, I think that's like meant to be a mystery angle. I think, Murray, I'm meant to be bothered about... God, who did this to Wendy Chu? Who did this to Wendy Chu? We'll find out later in the night. Dakota the Joker is going to find out. I'm the Joker, baby. <laughs> oh, I'm the fiend. <laughs> <laughs> it's an absolute train wreck already. <laughs> I love it. What else are you going to do? Like, uh, Do you reckon out there that there's one person who earnestly wants us to weigh up the merits of Wendy Chu's pillow getting ripped up? Possibly. Do you reckon there is? I just, it's, there's no stakes. Yeah. There are no stakes to this. <laughs> Whatsoever. Oh, oh, the the lazy bastard can't go to sleep anymore. Yeah. Oh, what a shame. <laughs> I tell you what, it's garbage, but I have fun watching this fish. I'm not going to lie. Oh, it's like... It's like... <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's terrible programming. That's just about so bad it's good to be kind of worth it. Do you know what NXT 2.0 is? It's Gossip Girl, the wrestling show. It's just a complete tropey mess of the most over-the-top, cheesy, sugary nonsense where... Everyone is sleeping with each other and they everyone bounces back and forth between storylines in an episode's notice. For some reason, there are six needless twists every hour. And listen, I love Gossip Girl. Uh, it's garbage and I eat it. What? <laughs> Watch it. <laughs> I was trying to make a McDonald's analogy that got really confused there. Uh, yeah, that's what it is. But that checks out because the people who write for this show 
had they any sort of real talent at television writing, would be working for real television shows. And the people who write this nonsense are people who are considered not good enough for Gossip Girl, but maybe they've got like a line here and there, enough yeah. to give them a credit, and then they can write an XT 2.0. Uh, we've got uh, some actual wrestling next, um, and it was Ivy Nile um, defeating Tiffany Stratton, before which um, there's a aspirate, like aspiring um, Diamond Mine member in Tate and Paxley, and Ivy Nile says to her, look, if you want to, we don't kiss ass here in Diamond Mine, we kick ass. This is key, right? Because I'm thinking, all right, well, Ivy Nile is going to go out to that ring and absolutely dominate this <laughs> Tiffany Stratton. Oh, da da Tiffany Stratton. Uh. So I'm under the impression, given that she's literally just said it, that Ivy Nile is an ass kicker, part of an MMA-influenced stable of ass-kicking badasses, and she's going to go out there and kick ass. Uh, she sells... Um, is the underdog because that's the only match layout that this company is absolutely aware of. Um, Tiffany Stratton, like really sort of athletically, gymnastically, sort of evades the offense, gets the heat, and then eventually Ivy Nile gets a nice strike based assault, wins the match, uh, with like a modified dragon sleeper yeah. of sorts. Thanks for the distraction, Saray. Yes. How could we possibly forget the trope that they don't overdo every week? We also saw footage of um, Saray desperately scrambling, scrambling for, was it a grandmother's jewel? Yeah, that's right, the locket. The locket. The necklace. Without which she's unable to transform into yes. a professional wrestler. This is it. Otherwise, she's like, what is it, Sailor Moon or something? Or it's schoolgirl thing. It's racist, Michael. Yes, um, it is. Yeah. <laughs> They're either sort of like anime adjacent yeah. mystical characters yes, or yes. they are... Not very good at understanding what's going on and they yeah. don't know where they're meant to be in the case of Jacket Time later on in the broadcast. But the match, will you remember this tomorrow? Uh, probably not. Probably not. But I, 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 despite the obvious flaws in the story that you've outlined there, Ivy Nile looked pretty good in this. I thought, like, there were several spots here where she was so clearly carrying Tiffany Stratton that... and. This obviously isn't ideal, but it's not Ivy Nile's fault, where she'd almost start bumping like a split second before Tiffany had even thrown the move because she knew she had to overdo every single thing to at least try and make this very green person's offense look good. And Ivy Nile is obviously very green herself, but I think like watching those exchanges, watching her defensive work, it kind of showed that she is a lot further ahead in her development in ring than Tiffany Stratton, who will be pushed harder because she is a wackier character, obviously. And is blonde. Uh, uh, yeah, and is blonder than Ivy Nile or whatever. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, there, the, there's a lot of bollocks surrounding this because, of course, there is. It's 2.0. Um, but, yeah, I thought Ivy Nile looked good. I like her energy. Like, she's got similar... Great look. Yeah, great look. And she's got, like, a similar dumb jock vibe to the Creed Brothers, which is, like... Something I always look for in pro wrestling. Uh, Steiner lineage carrying through not only in Braun Breaker on the show, which is great. Um, yeah, I mean, the stuff about Saray just transforming is just the most absurd nonsense ever, isn't it? It's like, it's, a super, it's literally a supernatural gimmick. Like the other week when they did the angle where she was walking to the ring and Tiffany jumped her before she could transform. So she beat her up in schoolgirl form and then couldn't be a wrestler. It's complete pitch. I've seen Saray on this very broadcast in this very time slot simply be able to wrestle without the help of a yeah. inanimate object, but I, maybe I didn't. That wasn't so long ago that the descendant of a thousand-year-old dragon was on this show, <sighs> so, you know. Oh God. <laughs> but you know they were doing that when it was Capital Wrestling Center, super intense, and people were like, oh, my God, what have, what's Bruce Pritchard done to this program? <laughs> and it's like he's done very little, actually. It was rubbish back then as well. He just changed the color palette. Yeah, no, like, that's, all that's all it is. It's no longer Warhammer. It's now Gossip Girl. There is more common pussy juice, though. Oh, so good. There is that. Speaking of which, here's Tommaso Ciampa. I was going to say, here's Tommaso Ciampa to deliver a promo, <laughs> which genuinely, like, even though they have to go to, like, very real and, like, kind of unsettling places, um, it's just a wild tonal shift. Place he didn't want to go. Indeed, but it was kind of emotionally affecting. You know, he's talking about how his wife had suffered five miscarriages before they had their miracle of a child. He talked about how he was a huge um, architect in building what was known now as black and gold. He's essentially saying that. This is this one song. And then a nice little twist, I thought, on his usual gimmick where he steps off the chair, 
throws it against the shutters. He simply folds it. It's got writing on his start date and his end date at stand and deliver, places it against the shutter, and it's like, you don't want to bury it. This guy has revealed very bitter and traumatizing personal experiences. This is a guy who, yes, NXT might not be the most fashionable thing anymore. Yes, I'll probably look more fondly back on a, a Tommaso Ciampa's run. Like in about three or four years, I think it will develop a certain nostalgia for it. Um, as it happens, it bordered into parody so often that that time is not now. Sure. But regardless, this was on the on the surface a, uh, an emotionally resonant promo, um, and you meant to have the gravitas of like your guy representing your brand if you like the show, and he's going. He's having a match at the Pape against an Italian-American stereotype. The heft <laughs> is nowhere. That's exactly what I wrote down on my notes. Like, for all the... the this was a good promo from Champa. I, I, when, he, when it started, the alarm bells rang straight away because, like a certain other guy I talk about most weeks, he was sitting there, there was blue lighting on, he was sitting on a chair, he was all alone, and I was like, oh, no. The rated R superstar has gotten his claws into Tommy Chomper, but no, it would for the reasons you just outlined. It was a good promo. Maybe they've gone to the well of ah, oh, it's my last time. This might be my last match. They've gone to that well a lot in NXT, but it does fit here because of the personal circumstances that he brings up, and he does a good job. Um, but you're you're absolutely right for all the for all the good work. The guy who's putting him out on his shield. Is a Sopranos parody, <laughs> and this guy later on in the later on in the show, he's sitting there outside Satriali's meat market, you know, deciding whether or not he's going to whack Johnny Sack or whatever. It's just, <laughs> oh man, it, if it, this would be an earnestly a really good promo if the guy he was facing wasn't a cartoon character. Yes, <laughs> but here we are. It's the equivalent of taking like uh, Bugs Bunny and putting him in an episode of The Wire. <laughs> Here, really? It's just what what are we doing? What are we doing? Serious wrestling does not mix with NXT two point is the lesson. I think this is the most like blatant illustration of that in this um like sort of across both of these segments. Um we get to um Tony D'Angelo later on in the goddamn broadcast. But um next up um was I almost got worked by this. <laughs> I genuinely almost got worked by this. It was a um, pre-tape segment, um, five minutes in length, there or thereabouts, um, and it's all about Dolph Ziggler and how he is sort of, in his own head, he's come to revitalize um, the NXT brand, taking it on, dominating it by himself within a matter of weeks. He's basically playing the superstar. He's playing the guy who doesn't really see anything in Bron Breaker. Yeah, he's always got potential, but he's done 20 matches. And if he's lost any of them, it's been to me, etc., etc. He's filmed doing press. He's the guy who's the star, uh, the, the star from Monday night. He's come to help little old NXT. And, of course, that he's getting asked to do the press, and he's pretending to be bored about it. Um, he's playing the aloof superstar who's been there, done that, and has been relied upon to do this build um, in terms of the press and all the rest of it. And then there's a simple question I can't help but ask myself when I'm watching this otherwise really well-produced vignette, and that is, who's doing media about... What media outlets are covering this? <laughs> I know we're doing it on a podcast, but, like, we don't even do ups and downs on this show anymore. It gets yeah. so little buzz. So the idea that they're presenting to me that there are multiple, about 50, I think Dolph Ziggler said, he's yeah. 50 press interviews, and, you know, you'll, you'll bear the burden of responsibility being the star of the match and all the rest of it. And I'm thinking... None of this convinces me. Yeah. Like, it's insulting my intelligence. They can't say, oh, no one cares about it. So they have to pretend that people do to an extent to make it feel like a big show worth watching at 11 a.m. because they're too scared to go up against like actual shows with actual audiences, which is incredible considering this is a WWE televised product. But this was well done, but very insulting. Yeah, for sure. It's the kind of thing that's... And yes, it's pro wrestling, it's not real or whatever, but when it's so detached from reality, how do you suspend your disbelief? Like, the, the, he's talking about selling tickets, and one of the one of the media guys said, selling tickets, moving numbers, or something like that during this segment. And I'm like, what What ticket sales are you talking about here, my friend? Like, they're running this, they've done the TV thing, where they've booked this ridiculously huge arena over WrestleMania weekend and only opened up about a third of it because they're not going to sell anywhere near the amount of tickets. Like, there's only something like four and a half thousand tickets on sale for this show. 
so objectively, that's not a good draw, guys. Like, that's not building buzz. Like, you can build the guy up. As, and theoretically, yes, the main roster guy who's been doing it for 20 years or whatever, uh, bigger star than the show and all of this stuff. But if it's not there in, like, if there's no evidence to support this in the real world, it's very difficult to craft, to craft this compelling reality-based fiction out of it. Um, I did see quite a funny interview some outlet that, that, that Ziggler did this week where he talked about being like strangely amused uh, that he'd become NXT champion after coming down here to check out some of the new talent. So he's kind of playing the character across multiple platforms, like not to discredit his effort in all of this. But yeah, it's just so detached, isn't it? It's so detached. Um, that's the thing about pro wrestling. You need to be able to buy into what these people are saying. So yes, like a lot of people go, oh, it's fake, just enjoy it, all of this stuff. It's like, no, when I know the reality of the situation, it's very difficult. So yeah, suspension of disbelief was very, very difficult here. And along similar lines, um, we also um, watched Cora Jade do a pre-tape promo in which she was basically saying that this is it. This has been her dream. Um, she dropped out of high school early to start wrestling training in earnest because this is all she's ever wanted to do. It's very familiar NXT um, level storytelling. Of course, it's a developmental show. Um, we've seen this kind of thing before. Um, Cora Jade's got a genuinely amiable personality this is a very real story as well they yeah. dusted off her actual real um diva book or something to that effect that she would sort of write in a math class um instead of concentrating because again this is all she wanted to do and uh, there's a sense of realism because they've actually got the prop she's got the old sort of high school girl writing and again it's all real but again suspension of disbelief in my opinion is hard because this isn't the culmination of her big dream realistically her dream has been kind of undermined by the fact that they've added two extra women to her match because they don't obviously see her capable of yeah. accomplishing her dream. She might, you know, win it. Um, I think they'll hold off, given that they clearly don't think her capable of doing it, but, yeah. Yeah, I believe her, but I don't believe in her would be the, the thing coming yeah. out of this. Like, I think... She comes, yeah, I mean, she's probably grown up watching WWE. We've seen all of this stuff from her before, haven't we? Like the photos of her when she was younger, meeting wrestlers and all this stuff. So yeah, like it makes sense as a character. And yeah, she's very likable. Um, I think that a few years from now, she, she could be absolutely great uh, across the board. And I could buy into her as a potential champion, but not yet. I know it's developmental, um, but it's very difficult to 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 buy into that when the other wrestlers in the match are well two of them are Io Shirai and Kaylee Ray who are both excellent across the board, um so yeah again like no shade at Jade or Cora Jade or anything for this promo it was fine um but WWE in general have just done uh, ability wise she's not quite there right I think that's fair to say she's very young in her career uh and her best years are far ahead of her yet. Uh, it's totally fine. It's a developmental show. You expect people like this on TV, no problem at all. But they've done a really poor job of building her up as someone you can actually buy into going into this match because she hasn't won a singles match since December. Uh, that's part of the problem. There's the whole fanny on with the, hey, the tag team titles are crap, so we're going to go in this match. And, you know, transparently, it's because we need some good wrestlers in this match because her versus Mandy might not be all that great. Um, yeah, it's just... It's not fun when you can see the sausage being made, is it? No, absolutely not. Um, you can see the sausage being made, actually, in the next match. Um, the next because segments, actually. Yeah, because it's <laughs> Brooks Jensen and Josh Briggs defeating Legado Del Fantasma, and this is the age-old problem with NXT. You've got two genuinely very, very good pro wrestlers, and they exist to put over the greener prospects who are taller. Yes. And that's exactly how it played out here. I genuinely thought uh, Legado in this match were almost kind of flexing just how much better they were is sort of a, I don't know, like a challenge. Like, come on, yeah. book us better. I know what we exist to do, but look what we have as well. They're doing some absolutely, like, genuinely incredible, not incredible, but, like, really sort of eye-catching spots that I'd never seen before. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. 
millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. The horizontal thing on the post is so awesome, isn't it? That horizontal like, thing on the post that transitions into like an elbow drop, core strength, like TV friendly visual. That was amazing. They were bumping, like they were feeding. It was all really, really good. And the green guys win um, following. And Electro Lopez tries to get involved. And this summons, what's the name? Fallon? Fallon Henley. Fallon Henley. Sounds like an American clothing brand. Yes, Fallon Henley um, comes out, evens the score. This allows um, an even playing field. And Brooks and Jensen, the whole wanters. (laughs) That's what we can call them. The whole the whole wanters. The whole wanters. That's what they are. They just want some hole. Yeah. And they win the match. And uh, <laughs> that's it. Yeah. Yep. This is when the kind of uh, the sexy stuff happened, wasn't it? It's like, yeah, yeah so we've got a woman on the show, don't you know? Yeah, let's come on to the show, 63-year-old man. Um, Your cock still work? Beat him. <laughs> That's the fuck. Well, almost swear. <laughs> That's the F in mission statement. Yeah, exactly what you said. Legado are really good. Really, really good. Really good wrestlers are on the show to lose to the green guys. Uh, whatever. I can't really buy into all these stories like, hey, I want to get the attention of this member of the opposite sex because there's so many of them on this show. We've had about, we got about six in a row here uh, that we'll dive into. Uh, sure, whatever. Like, I know um, Josh Briggs has a lot of indie experience and, and, whatever but like it's it's clear that the Legato guys are here to enhance others and uh is that a good use for them I've, i mean i think they do a good job of enhancing others but i feel like wrestlers of their ability could be doing a lot more yeah Legato, like uh, it took me a while to warm on that act but like santos escobar looks like an absolute piece he looks like a megastar he's really good in the ring these two might even be better like it's it, yet again i say this take quite often in a competent wrestling promotion this act could be money but we're not in a competent wrestling promotion we're in a rubbish sports entertainment promotion and again we get another reminder of precisely that when we cut backstage to indy hartwell and persia Perotta. they're in a locker room and they are having a little argument who's the hottest couple is it index or is it duja duja which is duke hudson and persia Perotta. Um, they have a little bit of a bicker. Yeah, it's just women talking about cock. You know what they're like. Oh, bloody women are like. <laughs> but they are. This, this show tells me. This that's sh- the writers, baby. That's, that's what this the show writers. tells me. They're just, they're just they're blathering about cock. Yep. And uh, they decide, right, who's the hotter couple? So they challenge one another to, and I quote, a Texas-sized showdown. I expect this to happen at Stand and Deliver because it's in DX. And uh, <laughs> I think they're going to do some kind of... Uh, like sort of advance on the makeout session thing. Maybe they can do some dry humping, maybe some over the clothes cock and puss, <laughs> like fingering and wanking stuff. <laughs> oh, we've already seen it on TV, so that yep. you escalate on pay per view. That's a yep. dramatic principle. You have to sort of raise That's the how storyteller works, baby. They don't care about the tag team titles no. because they're worthless. They don't care about that aspiring singles run. All these women, all these airheaded women, care about is who's got the hotter man, who has the hotter sex, and which is the better couple. Yep. It's a show for creepy, rotten perverts, my friend. Uh, Why? The existence of this, again, makes the following thing just incredibly like harder to believe. Mackenzie Mitchell catches up with uh, Cameron Grimes backstage, and he's very, you know, he's apprehensive about his Cameron match Grimes. tonight because he's put his... Soul, his latest soul band has put a lot on the line. He's promised to do this for his deceased father. Like, they, they were just talking about how much they like cock in the previous segment. Like, yeah. it's just, I understand that wrestling 
needs variety to one degree or another. But like, just consider your tone. Yes. Consider the goddamn tone. Um, and he wants to keep the promise to his father. Um, up next, we get toxic attraction in the ring. Oh boy, this is not very good at all. This was um, terrible. Yeah, straight uh, up abysmal television. This is so bad. Like Mandy yeah. Rose cuts a promo, and I'm thinking it's dreadful. She talks about how when she said that she's capable of beating um, any woman on the wrestler, she didn't mean at the same damn time. Um, she says that nonetheless, she will continue to do that. Um, an exposition dump at the last three weeks of storylines. If you want to. If you need that again, either watch a show or listen to the last three podcasts. I'm sick of circular conversations about this terrible television program. Um, so when Mandy Rose cuts this pretty lousy promo, I'm thinking this is bad. Bless her. When Gigi Dolan has handed WWE scripted material, I'm thinking Mandy Rose is Eddie Kingston, goddammit, because <laughs> the, the body language, the idea that she is under a presumed pr- pressure to stand out, maximize your goddamn mirror, pal. She's moving around weird. Yeah. She's doing wacky facial expressions. I can't take them seriously as conniving cheaters. The most dominant force in NXT is they are marketed. Like, come on, bury this for me. Yeah, I mean, this is genuine change the channel stuff, isn't it? It's my first heel promo. Uh, basic braggadocious lines about, I'm going to be the best champion of all time, but really forced delivery. I'm not scared. All of that stuff felt so inauthentic. Um, really, really terrible stuff. Coupled with the cringeworthy writing of "Yeah, look, we trust her pillow." Isn't she going to be mad? It's hack stuff. All of this is hack stuff. Like toxic attraction as an act is entirely aesthetic based. That's what WWE are booking it on the principle of. They are at the very forefront of their attempts to sexualize this show. Their unsuccessful attempts at trying to capture an audience by sexualizing this show. Um, that's not to, like I think in particular like Gigi Dolan is a is a good wrestler. Um, I was really into her indie stuff before she came into WWE. I think she's grown immeasurably from the days when she was in Evolve as like uh, I think she, it was Austin Feeney she was managing and she was just like this this side figure she's really good um, Mandy Rose is obviously very seasoned she's been in the company for ages and, and JC Jane the least experienced of the three she's a developmental prospect so you know there's stuff to work with with all of them but all of them suck on the microphone especially when you give them material this crap like it, this this is ju- it's not just even a case of like seeing the cogs being able to turn this should not be on TV if somebody walked in to the room and I was watching this and they saw this awful stifled delivery of these crap lines we're the best I'm gonna walk around the ring like a weird spider creature yeah. I would change the channel out yeah. of embarrassment this is hack stuff this standard of performance would not be allowed on any other televised product anywhere aside from a clip show highlighting how crap stuff is and if you send the clip in you get $500 if it makes it on TV it's you've been gamed Yes, there you go. You've been Triple H. There you go. They've been Jeremy Beadle has come through this show and spat this out. Is he, is he dead? <laughs> oh yeah, he is. Rest in peace, Jeremy Beadle. I loved that show when I was a kid. For it was awesome. Wasn't it was it? tremendous. Watch out, Beadle's about. That was another one. Yeah, legend of the game. Legend of the prank game. Legend of the prank game. Shout out to Jeremy Beadle. Um, so anyway, we'll, we'll rush ahead. Terrible, terrible, and it doesn't end there. So what happens next is wanted to reveal that toxic attraction were behind the absolutely vile attack on um, Wendy Chu's gimmicks. Dakota guy comes out to defend her maid. Um, she has a brave effort, three on one. She beats up one of the two, and but you know the numbers game um, thwarts her until. Ooh. Like I, when I was a kid, Murray, I watched WrestleMania Seven, right, and I watched a. Reconciliation for the ages, and it's like I, I think I cried. I think I was just so happy at how <laughs> like, I was so. I'm not being an arsehole. Yes. It was so wonderful. It's like one of the all time great moments through the through the lens of a child. When you know the history between Savage and Liz, it, it takes a appreciably, yes, appreciably darker yes. note. But like, it's a work of fictional magic through the lens of the child. It's it's magic, and, and uh, dare I say, it, they replicated this magic today uh, because <laughs> Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez got back together. Right again, people were into the act. I'm sure Michael Hamflet shed a few tears on the plane or on the plane at Dallas because he loved this. Uh, he's still mopping up. Yeah, man. he still loved this. He loved this Gonzalez Kai stuff back in the day. If again, Dakota Kai hadn't been presented his literal 
persona is the Joker, baby. <laughs> if she'd kind of been this, like, kind of dickhead heel who's realized through a friendship with another baby face, oh, hang on, like, I was an arsehole, and I'm at my lowest ebb, and maybe I just need someone to raise me up again to remind me that goodness is in the world. And then record, and then Raquel Gonzalez comes in and helps her save, and then have a nice reconciliation. I might feel something. The problem, Andy Murray, is that she's the Joker, baby. <laughs> she's the flipping fiend. Yeah, <laughs> lady fiend. Lady fiend. Nicholas, sorry about that. <laughs> oh, who swore? You just called. You just <laughs> voluntarily <laughs> just dropped an F and fiend. <laughs> oh, I thought I said flipping. You, you let him in. Oh, I let him in. Sorry, editor. Hey. Anyway, yeah. Um, this is a story. That if you played it out over two or three years after a bitter personal split, uh, yeah, you'd probably have a big moment on your hands. You'd probably have someone you could build to. You'd probably have someone you could sell tickets to. Uh, someone that felt real and organic and original. What they do is, on this brand, they fast forward those storylines by about ten times. They do what I do and watch the show on, like, a multiplier of speed <laughs> just to get through it. Um, so you end up with something that just doesn't land, is, is far too... Far too out of nowhere to feel real and organic and like, ah, man, what a shambles. And yes, that Dakota Kai is the fiend doesn't help. Um, Yeah, it's just, it it would be insulting to say that this is goldfish booking, which is the term we've used in the past, because they're not... They're not writing for goldfish because goldfish have longer attention spans than the people that this resonates with. It's just so fast-forwarded. Um, there's no way you can believably buy that, oh, we want the gold, baby. That Okay, we're just going to forget like years of personal relationship that were torn up in this feud that we were meant to receive as this grand betrayal. Just a bad television show. It's not good, is it? Except it gets pretty awesome now. Do you want to know why? Von Wagner <laughs> um, has a match with Bodie Hayward from Chase University and the respective seconds, Andre Chase and uh, Robert Stone are at ringside. Uh, I can't remember a single goddamn thing from this. Von Wagner won <laughs> showing, I think he sold a tiny bit, but you know, he's yeah. the horse, he's uh, Hayward's the geek, it's building towards Von Wagner versus Andre Chase. Um, amidst all of the action though, Jacket Time, and if you've gotten who they are, it's Kushida and Ikemanjiro are <laughs> uh, ringside and they do Japanese commentary on like a tiny little table. Yeah. Like, why is the table small? Got a little table. <laughs> why, I know why the table's goddamn small, but why is the table small? <laughs> <laughs> like, why are they commentating on a singles match? Like, is this company just institutionally right? Yeah, maybe. It is, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's so bad. Um, there's a deal with, what's the name of the broad? <laughs> I, I can't even remember the name of the characters. No. There's, Another, a, there's a blonde. She's at ringside. She's like a, a prospect for Robert Stone. Brand but and also maybe a love interest because it's NXT. Yeah, oh yeah. Von Wagner's going to chuck his muck up uh, like <laughs> inevitably. They're going to do a couple twelve ounce curls for yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely twelve inch curls. <laughs> we don't need no bicycles, Cal. <laughs> <laughs> and like on the look of Vicky Mangiro's face, he kind of fancies a go as well. Yeah, everyone. Uh, everyone wants to shag everyone. Welcome to NXT Two Point Gossip Girl. Um, uh, can you give me an intricate, um, in-depth analysis of the technique behind this match? No, um, absolutely not. It was just two two big stodgy dudes who aren't quite TV ready having a big stodgy, not quite for TV ready, big dude match, wasn't it? Uh, basic in the extra. Clun- yeah, clunky stuff. There, and I'm look. I'm not a moves guy at all. All my colleagues will attest to that. But th- th- it's just guys running into each other and clobbering blows because that. It's about all they've got so far, and that's fine. They're they're very early in their development. Um, I did enjoy Jiro's uh, citrusy jacket and and suit. Uh, I would not wear that because I couldn't pull it off, but it was very nice. I thought Wagner well, ripped it up. Yeah. Oh, sorry, I missed the key story beat here. <laughs> oh, sorry. Another, yes. another prop was destroyed. How could how could they do that after the needless murder of Wendy Chu's pillow? The the orange jacket. Bad agenting. Bad tangerines. Just. <laughs> Watching Von Wagner trying to emote, however, is my favorite thing. Yeah, it's awesome. He's so he's dead behind the eyes, man. Like when he's standing there after he's beaten somebody, he's staring down the camera lens. I'm like, there is no soul there, my friend. Like what? we know he's got no soul, but he, we know what he does have. Heart. Heart. Come Tuesday. 
Oh my god! Then I, I don't want to switch this shit off and phone sick. I seriously wanted to switch this stuff off and phone in sick this morning because up next we had Joe Gacy versus Draco Anthony and hey, you missed the Tony D'Angelo. Oh, sorry. Yes, <laughs> come on, son. Tony D'Angelo, as we mentioned, is outside Satrialis. He's outside of Satrialis, uh, <laughs> eating some goddamn ziti. <laughs> and it's basically, it's the promo we talked about earlier in which he ruthlessly undermined the genuine emotional heft of Tommaso Ciampa's words because he's going to get beaten by a, an Italian-American stereotype. Uh, following which, Joe Gacy, and again, this is this is almost legitimate. No, this is not just change the channel stuff. This is, I can't change the channel because I'm paid to watch this. Therefore, my only resort is to phone in sick. I was just, I'm sickened. I've been sickened by this Joe Gacy coming from the start. It's just Bruce Pritchard hating liberals. That's all it is. Yes. And I, I genuinely... I genuinely would say the same thing. I'm not one of these... Whenever someone says, I don't need politics in my entertainment, it's a right-winger getting like a little bit miffed that his particular political standpoint is being air-buried. I don't need it in wrestling. There's yeah. certain subject matters that wrestling just shouldn't um, cover. I do love the mental health thing that has become in vogue with Eddie Kingston and Hangman Page and CM Punk and John Moxley. That absolutely can. I think wrestling yeah. has proven itself capable of um, very sensitively handling something like that. Um, political culture wars. No, it's wrestling. Stop being stupid. So I've hated yeah. the J Joe yeah. Gacy character from, um, from the jump. Now he's added monologues to his bit. The idea is trying to recruit Draco Anthony and give him a safe space. Something, some bollocks. He wins with these stupid handspring elbow as well. Uh, what, did, what did you think? Yeah, <laughs> I, I agree wholeheartedly on the character. It's not necessarily that no entertainment should touch these things. It's that wrestling is well. I mean, obviously wrestling shouldn't, but it is proven itself incapable of doing so for decades upon decades. So, yep, stay away from it. Gacy's not been around so much lately, has he? Phil? like, he, no, they've gone off him. Yeah, they've definitely gone and moved away from it a little bit, which was smart. I mean, everyone, anyone can see what this character is. If there was a left-wing character in AEW espousing left-wing values, earnestly, I'd say, what's this for? Yeah. You're just going to piss somebody exactly. off. Exactly. You're just going to wind somebody up. But the thing with me about the character, the Gacy character is that, like, and I like Joe Gacy. I liked him on the indies, and I like him as in himself now. Um, but the thing with the character is, like, it's about six years out of date. Like, if you want to, like, try and poke people by using words like woke and triggered, no one's getting upset by that anymore, brother. Like, that was the zeitgeist literally before the first Trump, the, what, the first? Before the Trump presidency. Are you saying WWE's behind the times? Uh, uh, well, Michael, <laughs> after how many years? 29 years as a professional wrestling fan, I think I'm finally able to come to the terms and bring the insight to the table. The WWE's behind the times. They're doing fast times at Performance Center High. Did you see the big boy hanging out? Big lad hanging out beside Harlan. I've seen MP4s float about on like uh, niche wrestling Twitter. And Quincy Elliott, I believe. I'm into it. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, he was uh, brought to my attention on Twitter. I believe he was on Level Up last week. Uh, so Level he Up. He could, he could be he could be quite interesting to follow, but there'll be people listening to this podcast who are saying, "What the hell's level up?" Yes, there will be. Uh, genuinely, there will the be the ghost of two or five live, basically. Um, I Har Harlan's a weird guy, isn't he? Strange guy. Yeah, maybe strange in a way that's like not naturally like presence. Yeah, not like in a some I'm, esoteric weird imagery. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> very fiendish. I, I'm kind of. I think his presence is meant to be imposing. I'm more a bit creeped out by him. I think, like, it's going to sound harsh. I'm going to say it. I'm going to do it anyway. He looks a bit like a tattooed baby <laughs> with his head shaved. He does. Like, and that, that, that was, I don't know why they've made that choice. Because when you saw the photographs of him before he debuted and he was built up as the next big thing, he looked like Brock Lesnar. Like, Snitsky now. Yeah. They, boom, perfect. He's going to be punting actual babies into the NXT two-point universe before we know. Weird, weird, weird guy. Maybe we shouldn't compare people to Brock Lesnar is what I'm saying. Maybe we shouldn't do that. Yes. Gable Stevenson's getting Kurt Angle comparisons. Maybe give it a while. Maybe hold off on those. Maybe just one match before you declare on the future of pro wrestling on Twitter. Yeah, that's a good idea. Up next, we have um, a counter points to the Ziggler being the superstar when Bron Breaker's just getting down to business and training and, like, 
I love the I love the imagery yeah. of him just protein pumping iron and protein creatine cars yeah I love him you love creatine I love him I don't know what it is really it's just like uh, it's from hardcore punk you love it don't you don't sing it, about it or it, bark it's about a, it it's a supplement creatine's like some kind of supplement that I don't really know what it does because I'm not very well educated on looking after yourself <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> apparently it makes your fart smell really bad though but I, I do like I do enjoy the the. Uh, ye oldie hardcore punk as well. well I don't do that so I would never know oh there we go it's banned in the office it's banned in the household what the punk no no sick of it all or Cro-Mags in the Sidgwick household I'm talking about breaking wind oh okay no ripping farts somebody yeah. in the I won't name them somebody in the office ripped a fart yesterday and it was uh, disgusting It's you just don't do that in the office people listening to this let us know on Twitter who you think ripped a fart I won't tell you if you're right or wrong but let's have fun and do you think it's horrendous workplace etiquette yeah, it's not good. Not good workplace. Etiquette, but oh, absolutely not. They can be kind of funny sometimes, but not when you can. Anyway. It's only South Park who's ever nailed it for me. You reckon? Yeah. Yeah. This is weird. We've yeah. created a weird vibe here. Almost. Nikita Lyons pins uh, Sloan Jacobs in a squash match. Basically, a bunch of kicks. Yeah, a bunch and of kicks. Her, um, cheek clapping, leg drop thing. The kicks look. She's the kicks are pretty. They look. They look pretty decent. Don't she's they? got a thing she can do. Yeah, and they are letting her do it on TV, yeah. which I, is better than making JC Jane do like suicide dives. Yeah, or or any member of Toxic Attraction cut a promo. Um, I kind of like the nudge nudge wink wink stuff on commentary where they were talking about taking media by storm. You know why that is, lads? Yeah, because she sat on a woman with her arse. She didn't just sit on someone. She sat on her with her arse. Did you see what Vic Joseph said immediately after she did it? I don't think I did. He said like very quickly, like almost like telling people, "I've gone post your tweets." Then <laughs> go on, post your tweets. She's done the thing. Go and post your tweets. <laughs> they know what they're doing. They I, know what they're doing. I can't remember right when this appeared on the show, but it's just I've remembered something from NXT without looking at my notes. So I'm happy about this. Do you have weird weird Barrett said about Will Smith? I heard Vic Joseph telling them to shut up or something. There was two, I think, Will Smith references. There was obviously going to be at least one. Yes. And we played Zeitgeist Heist on the air preview Ooh. yesterday. Neither of us got it. I can't remember who he was talking about. There was a, a male wrestler in the ring who did something. And Wade Barrett took offense to it as the heel. So like, what's he doing that for? It's like, Will Smith, and I, I'm not lying, <laughs> with his big cook energy. What? <laughs> Now I can understand to a degree why a pro wrestler of all, Ooh. why a, prefer, a pro wrestler of all jobs would have an issue with someone coming on stage because it's it's happened before. Yeah, it's a very real risk at every single show. I can understand why they would be sensitive to it. But don't call, don't call my cook. Yeah, yeah. It's another thing where it's that's straight out of like 2015 verbiage. Yeah, Again. we'll get in trouble for talking about Will Smith in any direction, so let's stop this. All I will say is a multimillionaire punched another multimillionaire in the face. There was no moment to process. There was just an hour of Twitter that was fun and people ruined it. Can we not just enjoy the memes, everybody? Indeed, indeed. Uh, the Creed's... Oh, sorry. Lash where, Legend. Where are my manners? Lash Legend appears on the Tron and says, look, we've got unfinished business, me and you. After the pay-per-view, because neither of us are qualified to be on it, which is the implication. <laughs> just wait a week, for Christ's sake, rather than like, oh, well, it's not on the pay-per-view. Yeah, they're both crap. Because she is the better superstar than Nikita Lyons. Love that verbiage. Indeed, indeed. Uh, so Malcolm Bivens, who's also absolutely tremendous, cuts a, also, nothing else on the show is tremendous, who is tremendous, um, cuts a promo, putting over Roderick Strong, establishing his credentials, and hence why he's going to win the uh, triple threat match, and that's going to main event the show. That is the last chance opportunity to qualify for Carmelo Hayes' um, multi-man ladder match open challenge. Uh, the Creed's receive another cryptic text message from this team that's been targeting them. It's retribution it's adjacent. The oh, my God. <laughs> it's the Steiners, brother. <laughs> oh, my God. You're going to do diamond mine in the trios with, with Roddy and the boys. If it was AEW, the would you know? Yeah, it'd be so much fun. Uh, uh, that being said, AEW missed the open goal of doing FTR versus the Revival. We didn't get it till this year, and it was awesome. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh God, I want, I want the Steiners on NXT now. Let's do it. That's uh, gonna suck when that doesn't happen. So thanks for yeah. Sorry, today. sorry, boys. Um, speaking of, uh, there's no segue here. <laughs> this didn't suck. This was good too. Yeah, was In good. places, very good. Um, a triple threat match between Cameron Grant. Oh, sorry. Cameron Grant. Uh, to the mood. That's oh. not bad. 
That's not bad, but I'm not going to demean myself. Uh, Cameron Grimes, Roderick Strong, and A-Kid. Good match. It wasn't very great, but there was, like, there's too much cool, pretty shallow action in it to, like, not like, be taken yeah, by. Yeah. I mean, these three guys are all absolutely great. The usual rule applies. Take their best work, remove a full star rating from it because it's through the prism of WWE TV, but that still means it's impossible to be bad because look at the talent involved. Yeah. Um, some really cool sequences, my favorite of which. So A-Kid, mid Kip up, get a Roderick Strong knee to the face before he can even get like back like to a vertical position. It was brutal. It was great. And uh, before he ate that absolutely incredible um, knee strike, a kid impressed uh, with some like sort of lucha adjacent top rope flourishes. Um, but in the end, um, after Roderick Strong ran wild with a pretty cool killer sequence of um, backbreakers, he was caught having just performed one with the cave-in, Cameron Grimes fulfills his promise. He's on his way to stand and deliver. Following the match, there's a promo train where every other member who's already qualified cuts a promo and then a schmoz ensues, and that brings an end to this show. Yeah, I mean, I, I appreciated the craft of this match to a degree because and I talk, I moan about this all the time, so I have to praise it when they do the opposite, but like... The average WWE triple threat match is literally from the first bell. You wait outside while the other two people do their stuff and they swap positions and it's over and over. And it's it's like someone will get slapped and they'll be selling it on the outside for two minutes and it's ridiculous. Um, they didn't do that here. They uh, made an earnest effort to work with each other and all three of them as moving parts in there. You know, there are always bits in a freeway match. It inevitably gets down to a point where it's one-on-one or whatever. And that's fine. That's like realistically, that's how it should work. It just shouldn't be the whole match. So yeah, they did. I thought they did a good job of constructing this. Um, but not really a huge surprise in that regard because Roddy has obviously been great for about 30 years, it seems. Yeah. Like, people don't know. Like, I, I think people who didn't know about this guy before WWE as well might not know that, like, as Trevor Lee, Cameron Grimes was a prodigy like 10 years ago or something. He's been doing this for ages. Started very young. He's very good himself. And A-Kid is tremendous too. I really hope, even though he didn't win here, that he's staying around in the United States because as we all know, uh, a, a drafty warehouse in Enfield is no place for a kid. So it's good for him to be uh, <laughs> on this brand rather than that other one. But yeah, it was, de- it was decent enough stuff. Um, I mean, the storytelling is obviously very predictable. we got a multi-man match at the pay-per-view, so everyone comes out and watches, and Carmelo Hayes is on commentary, which is good because he's awesome. Uh, and then they all have their turn at the end. You know what's coming Every company on American TV, AEW do this as well when they got a multi-man match often. It's like, everybody's here. What's going to happen? And uh, that happened here. But yeah, cool. Sure, whatever. Good match. Uh, I like all three wrestlers. I think they'll have a fun ladder match. I hope Carmelo Hayes wins because he is just the best. He is the best, but Cameron Grimes kind of has to win given the stage yep. of the storyline. And then they can run that back into singles. But that we are getting ahead of ourselves because that is the Stand and Deliver review. This was the NXT TV show review. Thank you very much for joining us. Very miserable bastard. So thanks for sticking along. If I you think have. we made it fun. I think we made it fun. I hope so. If we didn't make it fun, well, you're probably not still listening, but let us know. Everyone right. listening is still having fun. I can guarantee that. 100%. I, all I've got nothing else to do is to touch grass. I'm joking. <laughs> I love you all. We are so appreciative of your listen. We get so many like nice messages of support across yes. the news and the podcast. So thank you very much for that. Um, if this is your first listen and you've made it this far, do not forget to like and uh, subscribe. You don't have to like it. Just subscribe uh, to What Culture Wrestling on iTunes, Spotify, um, and you can follow us all on Twitter at the same time. And whilst you're there, you can follow Andy Murray at... You can follow me at Andy H. Murray. The H stands for herp. Why? You can follow me at M. Cedric. Once again, you can give us all your feedback on um, the NXT show that you just listened to and watched and whatever at WhatCultureWWE on Twitter. Once again, thanks for your listen. Do not forget to subscribe. And until the next time, when we are back later on today with the AEW Dynamite mm. preview, we will see you soon. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.